got my pocket full of sand, sand, sand. I don't really give a damn, damn, damn. You can read it in my hand. I don't really give a damn, damn, damn. Got my pocket full of sand, sand, sand. I don't really give a damn, damn, damn. You can read it in my hand. Alex McDonald in Atlanta, Daniel Munoz in Minnesota. What's up, Danny? Nothing, Al. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. This is the TPS report for Thursday, May fourth, May the fourth, uh, two thousand and twenty-three. That's some Stop. kind of Star Trek thing. Yes, May the fourth be with you. Yeah, May the fourth be with you for all the Star Trek nerds. And tomorrow out there. is Revenge of the Fifth. It's Star Wars, isn't it? Yes, I was going to just let that go. Not Star Trek, Star Wars. I was Wars. not playing into your attention-seeking behavior. And tomorrow is what? The uh, Revenge of the Fifth. Uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I barely do. Yeah, I, I don't know that I get it, to be honest with you. Yeah, no. Um, I know. It's, the nerds like it. Look, we're back. Um, and we got a lot to talk about tonight. We do. Say hi to some friends, though, real quick. Who's uh, who's in the chat? If you're watching on Rumble, by the way, hit the live chat button to go into the live chat so that we see you pop up and uh, we can we can say hi to you. Joy is here. What's up, Joy? Janine is uh, Janine's here. Hey, Janine. Uh, I know hey, I know that uh, Michelle is out there watching. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Uh, Canadian Bacon's here. What's up, Becky? Hi, Bacon. Uh, Peggy Brown is here. What's up, Peggy? Hey, Peggy. Um, that's everyone that said hi so far. But Can we yeah, say Bill Campbell? The, hey, Bill Campbell. Uh, Bill Campbell. Yeah, of course. Semper Fi, Bill. Um, yeah, sorry. I just skipped right over, Bill. You sure did. I'm a, an important one to miss. I'm a bad host. Uh, yeah, if you're watching, click live chat, jump into the chat. Dino Mike, what's up, brother? Or or sister, I don't know. Friend, hey friend. friend. Hey friend. Welcome, we are glad to have you. Dino Mike, it is good to see you here. Um, got a lot to talk about tonight, Danielle. I want to start, though, with what has uh, what's been transpiring in New York. Um another person just senselessly killed. No, he just put a magazine in it and he's still trying to load it. Oh my God! He what just the fucking killed him! 
that's the wrong video, by the way. That is a nameless white guy that was executed on the streets of New York. We don't know his name because that particular execution didn't garner any media attention. That particular execution didn't lead to calls for justice. It didn't cause suburban white women to come out in force and demand retribution. That's just a nameless white guy murdered on the streets of New York. Why did it not garner any attention? Draw your own conclusions. Doesn't fit the narrative. Of course, what I'm referring to is Jordan Neely, who is actually a career criminal that was uh, playing silly buggers on the subway when a former United States Marine stepped in to provide for the safety of the other people on the subway car, put him in a chokehold, and the guy ultimately died later in hospital. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to be heartless about this. I'm, I'm certainly not going to say he deserved to die or anything like that. But what I am going to say is I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over this one. I hear, I hear talking heads say this is New York's, this is like New York's George Floyd. And I disagree because in the George Floyd case, you know exactly where we stood on the George Floyd case. He was murdered. That uh, Derek Chauvin had his knee on the guy's neck for seven straight minutes. This kid, this Marine, put this guy in a chokehold, choked him out, and then let him go. Right. The guy died later. The coroner is now ruling it a homicide, by the way, saying that it was due to uh, due to the chokehold, um, which I think is whatever. I'm not the coroner. I haven't seen the autopsy, but I think we're going to hear a completely different story when the results of the defense is, if, if it gets that far, when the results of the defense um, autopsy comes in. But let's see what the media are saying about this, shall we? City officials said Wednesday that 30-year-old Jordan Neely's death on Monday afternoon, well, that's the wrong story. Let's do this one. The death of Jordan Neely, a homeless man who died after a transit rider placed him in a chokehold, has made national headlines after medical examiners ruled his death a homicide. The video of the incident has circulated on social media, causing widespread protests in New York, extending down into the subway where Neely was killed. Jordan Neely, 30, was a homeless black man who is known for being a Michael Jackson impersonator and performing in Times Square. Neely was screaming on the subway about how he did not have anything to eat or drink, with witnesses saying he was behaving in a hostile and erratic manner. This is how it's being reported, Danielle. 
just some innocent guy, innocent homeless guy who was uh, who street was, performer. He wanted some. He wanted some food and drink. That's all he wanted was a bit of food and drink. Um, let's hear what witnesses. Let's hear what witnesses to this have to say, shall we? The video shows three strap hangers subduing the 30-year-old man after witness Juan Alberto Vasquez says he got on the northbound F train and began acting aggressively, threatening riders. Law enforcement sources with knowledge of the case confirm his acting aggressive, according acting aggressively threatening riders. Compare that to this report. Right. He was behaving in a hostile and erratic manner. Screaming about how he didn't have anything to eat or drink. According to a witness, the man began shouting, quote, I want food. I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm ready to go back to jail and I'll hurt anyone on this train. Compare that to this. He was it was, it was peaceful. Mostly, mostly it was a it was a fiery yet mostly peaceful right. protest. He was staging. The guy jumps on the train starts threatening people, telling them, I'm not going to take no for an answer, and I don't care if I die or go back to jail. I don't know what you have to do in New York for somebody to, for it to be justified, for somebody to intervene, but it strikes me that this former Marine stepped in probably at just the right time before this kid started following through on his threats. The man got on the subway car and began to say a somewhat aggressive speech, saying that he was hungry, he was thirsty, and he didn't care about anything. He didn't care about going to jail, that he didn't care that he gets a big life sentence, and it doesn't matter if he died. Vasquez says he was scared and believes others on the train were too. That's when he says a 24-year-old rider came up behind the man and put him in a chokehold, holding him there on the ground. Two other men standing over them also helped subdue the man. If there was fear, the people who were bluish or who were there, where he separated everything, moved from their place. I stayed sitting in my place because it was a little further away. But obviously those moments, well... One thinks fear. One thinks he may be armed. One thinks fear. One thinks he may be armed. Of course you're going to think that. Right. This is, this is one of the most clear-cut cases of Good Samaritan that I think I've ever seen. This this former Marine is probably going to end up getting charged with murder, not because the authorities believe that a murder took place, because they don't. They questioned him. They released him. They already decided this, this wasn't, there's no way this was a murder. He's probably going to end up getting charged because of public pressure. Right. The kind of public pressure we didn't see when a black man puts a gun to a white man's head in broad daylight on a public street and pulls the trigger. That incident was caught on camera. You can identify the killer in that video. And I can't find any coverage of that. I can't right. find the guy's name. I don't know who he is. Maybe you'll have better luck. 
Got to tell you, I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking. But we certainly didn't hear. Pro- Did you ever hear of the protest for the dead white guy on the street? I heard nothing about that. That's the first I'd seen of that. Of course. It's the first. Any Anybody watching this show tonight, that's the first they've seen of that. But right. I guarantee they've all heard about this innocent Jordan Neely who uh, was simply hungry and wanted a drink. How many people are hearing for the first time that he was threatening people and telling them that they, they won't take no for an answer and that he's going to impose his will on them regardless? Because that's what those statements mean. I'm going to do to you what I need to do until you succumb to my will. At what point... Are you justified in stepping in and taking action? Now, it's unfortunate that the kid ultimately died. But again, the news reports would have you believe that he was killed right there and then. I have the original video of this, and I'm going to skip more towards the end. We're not going to watch the whole thing. It's not necessary. But let's take a look at something. The video shows the... I'm going to turn the volume down and I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip to here. So he's, he's finally, actually, let's go back a little bit. He's struggling here, fighting, right? Still trying to get loose. Three people, two people really are holding him down. By the way, one of which is black. Right. One of the, one of the people who found it necessary to restrain this career criminal is a young black man who's just trying to ride the subway in New York. He struggled just a little bit there. Guy's got the hooks in. You can see his left right. feet there, yeah. right? He's choked him out. The guy's saying he's not squeezing no more. He hasn't been squeezing. As soon as the guy stopped struggling, he stopped applying pressure. The guy gives him a tap. He immediately gets up. Put him into a recovery position and watch. There he is breathing. Yep. See that? Yep. The media will have you believe he was killed there and then. It's not true. He was taken to hospital and he died later that day. The reports don't tell us what time, conveniently. 
They tell us what time the police responded and found him unconscious, not dead, unconscious, that he was transported to hospital and died later that day. Go on. When did the police respond? Because what I heard was that the conductor called the police who were supposed to meet them at the next stop and the police didn't show up. So did police come with first responders? It says here that the police arrived at 227. I don't know how, where, or when. It's just this story says they arrived at 227. So who is Jordan Neely? Who is this good Samaritan, this this Michael Jackson impersonator? Hopefully he doesn't impersonate all aspects of Michael Jackson's life, but we won't we won't get into that. Jordan Neely had 42 prior arrests on his record. Not all of them serious, Danielle. If I I gotta be fair, they weren't all super serious arrests. Quite frankly, any arrest is we should probably consider serious, but he had 42, including arrests for assault. Um, The left are very fond of, of talking about the mental health crisis in America, but they don't appear to be willing to do anything about it. They allow... Guys like this, instead of putting them in a, we need a sane asylums is what we need. We need loony bins. Obviously, a modern day version of that. We don't want them to be the the hell factories that they were, you know, back in the 50s. Um, We want them to be humane places where people can get the treatment that they need to get. Rather than being thrown out on the street with 42 arrests on your record, just thrown out on the street and left to fend for themselves, which inevitably results in them acting violently towards other people to try to gain possession of property that isn't theirs. Can I give you just a tiny side note? And I will not go down a rabbit hole, I promise, but about the the condition of the mental health services Um, in our country right now. So I was talking to a friend with had nothing to do with any of this. It was a couple of days ago and they work in the mental health field and they work with people who are um, court ordered to be supervised. So they're not institutionalized, but they are court ordered to like live in places where there's supervision. And one of their people had stepped away, had, had was on the lamb and, had shown up a few cities away. And I was like, where were they supposed to be? Like, how did the person supervising them not notice for a while? Right. And the person I was speaking to said, well, this resident goes out panhandling during the day. So, you know, nobody really keeps tabs on them. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I mean, we can't, we can't stop them. They, they have choice. They get to make those choices. So even though they are court ordered to be under supervision, the supervisors can't have no authority. Yes. And they can't provide boundaries for these people. So yeah, they're just, yeah, they're left to left to go do whatever they want to do. So to your point, we absolutely need a system of, with more sort of restraint and, Structure. Yeah, there needs to be a system with more teeth. If yes. if Democrats are going to complain and about the the mental health crisis in America, 
they've got to put systems in place to address the mental health crisis. Throwing people out on the street and telling them to fend for themselves is not the solution. We end up with situations like this. Now, I think it's remarkably unfortunate that he ended up dying. Um, But this is what happens when you F around. Right. F around and find out. Quite frankly, the instead of being out protesting for a serial offender, New York should be thanking the the people who were brave enough to intervene in this instance. Because let's not forget, it was only last year where a young woman was raped on the New York subway. And everyone stood around filming it. Nobody intervened in a rape. This time, a good Samaritan was on hand. A guy that he's obviously been trained the way he had his hooks into him. You know that kid, that guy's had some training. He knew what he was doing. It wasn't his intention to kill anyone. It was his intention to immobilize In the least aggressive way possible. In the least aggressive way possible. He wasn't punching him. He wasn't kicking him. The three of them didn't start loading into him the way way we see so often these days where a gang of three people will start lay wailing on another victim. We saw him use the least amount of force necessary to restrain what witnesses perceived as a threat and all these people out there protesting all these people screaming for justice if they would have been if they would have been on that subway car they would have also perceived him as a threat they would have a completely different opinion but i can't blame them entirely because they're being spoon-fed this narrative this is from AOC Jordan Neely was murdered but because Jordan was a houseless and crying for food but because Jordan was houseless and crying for food in a time when the city is raising rents and stripping services to militarize itself while many in power demonize the poor the murderer gets protected with passive headlines and no charges. It's disgusting. I agree with her. It is disgusting because these are very passive headlines. Right. These stories are so misleading as to the nature of what happened here and the nature of Jordan Neely himself, what he was doing, who he is, his criminal record, his past indiscretions, again, including, um, let me come down, let me jump down to here. He had an active felony warrant. He did at the time for assault. He had an active warrant for an alleged assault in connection with a uh, 2021 incident. No, that's fine. At the time of his arrest. His, his prior record includes four, uh, four charges for assault, while others included accusations of transit fraud and criminal trespass. Like I said, some were more severe than others. Right. 
but he had 42 of them was still out on the streets of New York. The mayor has culpability here. The prosecutors in New York have culpability here. The DAs, the, the whatever, the, the public defense, everybody involved in the criminal justice system has culpability here. In fact, the only person in this entire situation, the only people that acted right were the three people that acted to restrain him and save other people from harm. Right. We don't know what that harm would have been, but we know what it could have been. It could have been up to and including murder. We don't know that the Michael Jackson impersonator isn't going to put on some sequined gloves and start Well, and it's murdering. really unfortunate that there's not video of his behavior before he was restrained because I have a feeling that would paint a much different picture. Absolutely. Of course it would. Of course it would. Here's the thing. We know... One of the things in the in one uh, one of the comments in one of these stories was um, let me f see if I can find it. Bear with me, because it was a very it was kind of a very pertinent point. Oh, of course, um, <laughs> Al Sharpton chimed in on this. <laughs> the National Action Network demands the district attorney and police investigate this horrific incident as a potential case of manslaughter, if not murder, Al Sharpton said. We hope the family of Jordan Neely will come forward so Nan can ensure he is funeralized properly and decently. Funeralized. Is that even a word or is no. that just an Al no. Sharpton No, that is word? not a word. Yeah. To make sure he's funeralized in I a proper... Funeralizing means paraded around the country in a golden coffin. Yeah. Um, a la George Floyd. Here we go. This is from uh, Ravaris Moore, an assistant professor of sociology at New York University. And obviously you, you can probably guess where he comes down on this yeah. incident. But he, he makes a couple of good points. From an ethical standpoint... It's clear that nonviolent erratic behavior should not result in one's death, Moore said. And I don't disagree with that. That's a valid point. It's yeah. a valid point. It should not. But the takeaway from this is that everything about the, the former Marine's response to this was to administer as little force as was humanly possible to Hang on. stop this. Nonviolent and erratic behavior should not result in one's death, but his behavior wasn't, according to other accounts, wasn't just not, wasn't just erratic. It was violent and threatening. Correct. So should that result in someone's death? I mean, if keeping those violent threats from turning into actual violence. Well, it was, it was certainly threatening. I don't know that he, listen, we don't see the video leading up to the restraint, obviously. Um, and the witnesses haven't implied acts of violence other than verbal. Well, so there I, have I, been people I have, I mean, I don't know who they are and I don't know that it's been, you know, the truth value of these statements, but there have been statements made by people who have seen these videos and said, Oh yeah, that's the guy that, 
um, tried to push me onto a track at the, you know, whatever station. Yeah. So there are accounts of now, does that justify what happened to him? No, but does it suggest a pattern of behavior? Yes. Yeah. This, and uh, these oh, people on. all ride the same trains every day. Sure. So had they probably seen this guy before? I'm sure it's a pattern they've seen over and over again. Yes. And listen, I, I don't know, but I imagine reports are going to be forthcoming as this story evolves. This professor went on, Danielle, and this is a good point. From a legal standpoint, I do not know how much evidence a good attorney needs to successfully argue that passenger intervention was warranted because it was warranted. Um, There is, however, a clear need to recognize and address this growing space where actions that are framed as arguably legal in the moment are yielding unnecessary fatal outcomes. I don't disagree with that, but I do in this case because this, this former Marine, I think it's evident by his actions in the video. I think it's evident that he had no intention of causing any long-term or permanent harm. If if he was going to do that, the the other passenger wouldn't be saying he's not applying any pressure. He's not he's not doing anything. He's just holding the guy. You hear the other passenger, the other Samaritan. You hear him say that. I think there are there there are absolutely instances where people have acted where under the law their actions were justifiable that have resulted in an unnecessary death. Generally, it happens when somebody is not able to restrain themselves enough. Somebody gets involved, let's, even in an act of self-defense, someone gets involved in an act of self-defense, and while they're legally justified, maybe it didn't have to be taken as far as they took it, for example. But I don't think that's as widespread as this professor would indicate or would like us to believe. Um, I think it's probably quite rare that that happens. This is not an instance of that. Well, and he says resulting in death or like that it turns fatal or something. Now, are there, is it more likely that a situation, you know, that, Somebody throws a punch that didn't need to be thrown or something like that. Yeah, I agree with you that in situations like that, when tempers are are elevated, it's easy to to go a little further than you need to. I 100 percent agree. But yet and I also agree that, yeah, that professor is, I think, going way beyond by saying that these things turn lethal. It's like Janine said, he could have pulverized the guy. Uh, listen, the guy was unconscious and alive and breathing. We saw him in the video breathing. The guy wasn't dead. I think the coroner, I think the coroner's report is a direct result of public pressure of public outrage. And if the Marine is charged, 
I guarantee you a good attorney is going to come to his defense. Just like Kyle Rittenhouse ended up with good attorneys. Right. And they will have an autopsy. And I think the autopsy will conclude very different things than this coroner has concluded, including talk screens. Listen, I don't want to make assumptions Assume, here, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see is what I shall say. Um, so yeah, basically right now, the facts don't actually matter in this, uh, in this story. Feelings are what matters. And in the meantime, in New York City, people are getting shot in the head and the, the media and the white guilt crowd are ignoring it completely. When did that happen? I have no idea. It was uh, it was recent. I don't know when. Okay. Yeah, it was recent. I just don't know when. Let's talk about let's talk about this YouTuber, shall we? Yes. Jurors in Jacksonville machine gun trial convict Orange Park businessman YouTube figure. These are two people, by the way. Jurors found an Orange Park businessman, uh, business owner guilty on all counts in a federal trial about marketing thousands of illegal machine gun conversion devices through a web-based company advertising on YouTube. So let's make some sense out of that grammatically horrific article. Dumpster fire, yeah. This story relates to, to well, let's talk about, let's talk about what it relates to. It relates to a thing called the auto key card, Danielle. The auto key card is a credit card sized piece of metal with some shapes laser engraved on it. In fact, there's one and who knows from my understanding is people can even get into trouble for showing the images of these things. The ATF have determined that that is a machine gun. That thing? That thing there is under, under yeah, that thing there, <laughs> according to the ATF, is a machine gun. The reason being, if, if you were to, I guess, machine out those parts along those lines, mm -hmm. that can somehow be used to convert some, from what my understanding is, some the, the minority of AR-15s into M-16s, full automatic rifles. It's called a, um, well, it's, I mean, technically, I guess it's an auto-seer, but they've, they've been calling it something else. What have they been calling it? It doesn't matter what they've been calling it. It basically, I guess, creates some kind of auto-seer. I don't know how it works. Um, I don't know how it works. Doesn't really matter to me. Uh, don't have one, don't want one, don't need one. But they were sold in a number of different variations, Danielle. This was a auto key card three in one with a bottle opener. I guess that means there's three of those. I guess there's three of the devices on there. Um, a, a lightning opener. link. There you go. Commonly known as a lightning link, according to this. Um, the ATF determined that these were machine guns. And the 
person who is manufacturing them. Where's that? I need this story here. This gets confusing. The person who was manufacturing them was Christopher Irvin. Um, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you why this is giving me pause because it's so poorly written. A Wisconsin gun dealer who... Uh, a Wisconsin gun dealer whose gun-censored YouTube channel has 180,000 subscribers was convicted of conspiracy with auto keycard owner Christopher Justin Irvin, as well as four counts of transferring the unregistered devices. You back? I'm good. Yeah, okay. you got me? Yeah. Um, that's a very confusing way to word this story it makes it sound like the youtuber is the gun dealer that was manufacturing these things he wasn't the youtuber had nothing to do with the manufacturer of these things let's make that clear the manufacturer was christopher irvin no you're still there danny i still see you hey that's okay, Sorry. I, we, okay. We, yeah we still saw you the um the manufacturer of the auto key card was, was this business owner, Christopher Irvin. The YouTuber was a kid named Matt Hoover, Matthew Hoover. He, uh, his, his, uh, CRS firearms channel is on YouTube and he was advertising these auto key cards on his YouTube channel, Daniel. The ATF found out about this, by the way. We're going to be talking about banking. But they found about this because it was Christopher Irvin's bank that reported the transactions that were going on. They reported him as being suspicious, and they, they said he's maybe involved in illegal activity. Your bank is not your friend. Your bank is now an arm of the criminal justice system. Just bear that in mind. And that's how this came on the ATF's radar. They swooped up Christopher Irvin. They determined that these credit card sized things were in fact machine guns. And he was con convicted of four counts of transferring the unregistered devices. Four counts of transferring machine guns. Holy Matt, cow. Matt Hoover was taken into custody by the U.S. Marshals after Christopher Irvin's verdict was returned on Friday. Irvin's been behind bars since his arrest in 2021, by the way, but the YouTuber was taken into custody after that verdict. He was charged with conspiracy to distribute machine guns. Because he'd been advertising this device on his YouTube channel. Now, listen, I will say that, uh, hey Hans, I, hey will, Hans. I will say that Matt's advertising of this device fully implied that he knew these things were either illegal or were intended for an illegal purpose because he would say things like, um, uh, 
Use a, use a one-time use credit card. Use a P.O. Box address. You know, you could use this thing once and then take it out and throw it away and nobody be, will be any the wiser. He knew that what he was doing was... At least shady. At least shady. But they got him for conspiracy. And the reason they go after conspiracy, by the way, is because the rules of evidence are different when you're trying to prove a conspiracy. If, if, the, government, if the government ever charges you with a conspiracy, you're screwed. Just so you know. Because under conspiracy charges, they don't have to prove each element of the case that they bring against you, Danielle. So if they brought individual charges against Matt Hoover, if it was a uh, conspiracy to manufacture machine guns, not machine right. gun parts, machine guns, these have, these these credit cards have been term determined in and of themselves to be a machine gun. Um, if they had to prove that and then other elements, it's a much higher bar than having to prove conspiracy. Conspiracy is very easy and I, not very easy, but it's a lot easier. And I think that's why they were able to secure a conviction in this case. Matt is, is going to appeal. This decision is going to be appealed. And from what I understand, they may have some fairly good grounds under appeal with the way the judge in this case conducted himself. Some of the, the decisions that were made. The problem is the state likes, I was watching the armed attorneys and the armed attorneys said that in cases like this, the state like to try to sneak in evidence that shouldn't be there. Evidence right. that may have been precluded in a pretrial motion, stuff like that. And if you don't object to it continually, it will ultimately end up as being part of the case. So if they try to enter something, if this shouldn't be there five times and you objected the first four times but didn't object the fifth time, you've effectively lost the right to appeal that particular infraction. It's stupid, but this wow. is the way. Listen, the judicial system is not set up to protect the innocent. Right. I can tell you that much, even though we're innocent till proven guilty, it is very heavily weighted in favor of the state. And that's what happened here. So Matt now is, uh, he will be sentenced, I believe in July. He, he again, I think has four counts of, again, the four counts of conspiring to transfer or manufacture the, the, the what do they call it the unregistered devices or what the ATF consider machine guns and it's not looking good so there's there's a lesson to be had here folks you do not anymore you don't have to be directly involved in a crime right so there's there's parties to a crime yes if you go and rob a bank and the right. getaway and the getaway driver is considered a party to that crime. Yes. And they can be right. charged with whatever crimes took place inside the building because they're directly involved in that. Well, this goes beyond that. Now this now extends to advertisers. 
if you advertise a product for somebody who may be engaging in a crime, may, let's not forget that these auto key cards were not deemed to be machine guns until later in the process, just like pistol braces right. weren't deemed to be, you know, that classified as rifles until the ATF just redefined the regulation that gets into, like Chris Lowry was talking about the other day, it gets into Chevron deference, um, right, yes. things like that. And he gave a great explanation of Chevron deference on the Brushfire Mind two days ago, I think, and it's well worth watching. But it gets into that, except in criminal uh, statutes, Chevron does not, cannot be applied to a criminal statute. So I might be wrong here. I don't know if pistol braces, I don't know if that is, is an instance of Chevron deference, but whatever. Either way, go watch Chris's explanation of it. It was great. But these things, the point is, these things were deemed to be legal at one point. Right. Later in the process, that determination was reversed and they were then deemed to be illegal because mere possession gave you the opportunity to, I guess, manufacture a machine gun. Matt began advertising them when they were legal, continued to advertise them after they had already been deemed illegal, but no decision had been made about possession, right? You can still sell a pistol brace today. Under the new regulation, it doesn't actually manufacture a rifle until you put it on a gun. Right. The ruling for this is different. You can't even possess this thing, let alone cut it out, do whatever you do to it. I don't know what you do. I imagine you fold it or some shit, pop it in your gun somehow. But you can't even possess this thing under the new guideline. So he was convicted for advertising something that was legal, then became illegal, or at least illegal to possess. And the courts have now determined that it was, in fact, illegal for him to advertise them. Even though it wasn't illegal while he was advertising it. It's a messy case. And it should give all of us pause because, listen, I know these are parts that are designed to convert a rifle into a machine gun, right? Or a semi-automatic rifle into a fully automatic rifle. And, I, and that's completely different to a my pillow, for example. But let's say the government one day gets a bug up his ass and determines that my pillow should be illegal to possess. I know that obviously that's a ridiculous analogy. Right. But what if they do? It could be anything. A widget. You have a right. widget. Your friend manufactures a widget. You're advertising this widget on your YouTube channel. One day the government wakes up and says, you know what? That widget, yeah, we've rewritten our definitions, our regulations, and we've determined that that's illegal to possess. And because you were manufacturing it, you're guilty of manufacturing and distribution. And because your friend was advertising it, we're now going to go after them as a party to this crime for manufacturing and distribution. Simply for advertising something. 
That is a scary proposition. That is very scary. Because we don't know what the next prohibited item is going to be. Right. It could be this. This is this is nicotine. That's all that is. But they've been trying to ban these and outlaw these for a long time, for Danielle. Years, yep. Yeah, they have. I could wake up one day and this could be on a, a prohibited items list and they could go back to my old videos where we used to talk about these things all the time and say, you know what? You're a f now you're now a felon in possession and you're going to jail for as many years as as we deem appropriate for that particular crime. It should give every single one of you pause. Well, and you conspired to get other people to use them. So you don't just possess and use them, but there are multiple videos out there showing you conspiring. I'm a bad, bad us. I'm a bad, bad boy. Yes, us. We conspired together mm -hmm. and had panels trying to convince other people to use them. Yeah. The 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 government is um, the government and the justice system is not designed to protect you, unfortunately. And Matt Hoover just found that out the right. hard way. The very hard way. So um, is he in jail now or? Yeah, he's in jail. Yeah, he'll be sentenced in July, I believe. It's June or July. I don't remember exactly. Listen, I apologize for the story. It's very confusingly written. And right. hopefully I cleared it up a little bit. And people understand what's actually going on with this kid. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it it's is like, a messed up situation. Like grammar matters. Hey, let's talk about the financial collapse that isn't taking uh, place. The financial collapse that isn't happening. Yeah. The financial collapse that, according to Jamie Dimon over at J.P. Morgan, is now over. He'll regret saying that, I guarantee you. Um, First Republic Bank, J.P. JP Morgan Chase buys, con buys control. Buys control, it was actually handed to them. Of right. A failed bank after federal regulators seize control. Um, all of the assets were neatly transferred into uh, J.P. Morgan Chase's holdings, Danielle. And they call that buying First Republic Bank. Uh, it was financed by us, the taxpayers, and the FDIC are stepping in to bail out their depositors and, um, you know, their, their customers. Uh, financial regulators in California took control of First Republic Bank and appointed the FDIC to take charge before it sold the bank to J.P. Morgan Chase. The California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation announced early Monday morning. J.P. Morgan Chase has now assumed all deposits, including all uninsured deposits and substantially all assets of First Republic Bank and its 84 branches in eight states will reopen Monday as part of J.P. Morgan Chase. This is a bank failure. Let nobody, nobody confuse what this actually is. This is a bank failure, and right. yet again, it's a consolidation of the banking system into the giants, these too-big-to-fail companies. And it's happening because these – well, it's happening for a lot of reasons. They're transferring into these two – but the – they're transferring into these two big to fail companies because the government has made them a guarantee that we'll never let you collapse. We'll never let you fail. So you can take on these risky assets. And trust me, these are risky assets. Right. You can take them on and we'll be there to bail you out. 
at the end of the day, or at least that's what they're saying right now. Again, this is the problem with the government flip-flopping on what they like to do, like the ATF flip-flopping on their determinations. Right now, the government's saying, hey, we'll, we'll back you and make sure you don't uh, collapse because they hold this come Chase holds my mortgage, for example. So now I have skin in this game because the company that holds my mortgage just took on billions and billions and billions of debt. Bad debt. Right. Unsecured debt. The government may say, well, we've got your back, but they don't. We have a debt ceiling debate taking place currently. In order for this government to have their back, we're going to have to raise the debt ceiling. If the debt, and it will get raised, but let's assume it didn't. How would the government then have J.P. Chase, Chase Morgan's? J.P. Morgan Chase. Thank you. How would they have Chase's back? Right. They can, they can make all the promises they want. And Jamie Dimon is a bit of a fool for believing that they're, they're actually going to follow through on these promises because the government not, might not be able to. So Jamie Dimon's making these, uh, taking on these additional pressures, which is going to put strain on Chase's bottom line which is going to drag them down, which is going to put more pressure on the financial sector, which is going to lead to more small bank failures, which is going right. to happen. We told you back in March when these collapses were taking place, I told you this isn't the end of it by any means, and it's not. We've got a long way to go. The Fed's meeting tomorrow to raise interest rates again after we were told we won't need to do this again. Why are they raising interest rates? Well, because inflation's still beating at the door. It's, it still is. At the same time, they're implementing housing policies that we saw back under the Clinton era. The Affordable Housing Act. Barney Frank pushing through, which forced, forced banks to make loans to people who honestly couldn't afford them, which right. led to the subprime debt crisis of 2008. We're seeing a repeat of that now. It's beginning with this policy we talked about, I think Monday, where if you have a good credit score, you now have to pay a fee to fund the, the, the mortgages of folks that don't have good credit, the folks that have been remarkably irresponsible. Where do you think that leads? We said, we told you it's going to lead in 2000 and what was it? It's, uh, it was 90, it was like 95 to 2008 for that collapse. So right. 12 years, 12 years from today, you can expect another collapse. It's going to be even worse. We're already seeing our real estate market plummet. It's taken a dive and that's going to accelerate. That's going to increase. We predicted this. 18 months after the end of the eviction moratorium, we're going to begin. We're going to see a housing collapse. We're starting to see it. More concerning is that we predicted it was going to hit, hit the commercial market. It's hitting the commercial market. Right. It is collapsing. If you're a commercial developer right now, you're on hold. 
If you hold commercial real estate right now, you're on hold. No one's doing anything. There's no refinancing going on, Danielle. Nothing. Now, I think that market is going to have to break at some point because there's too much equity right. wrapped up at the moment. That equity is going to lead to massive taxes. They've got to do something. So right. I think a lot of a lot of holdings are going to have to be refinanced, even at today's horrific interest rates. That's going to, again, that's only going to hurt further development. Yes, it right. takes care of the immediate problem, but it sucks away equity that can be used for future development. We're on the wrong track here. We're doing, or this administration is doing everything I can think to do if you want to send us into a recession. If your goal is to avoid a recession, do the opposite of what this administration <laughs> is doing. Do none of these things. Do none of these things because another interest rate hike is going to push us further to recession. Right. Another interest rate hike slows down lending. Another interest rate hike slows down the housing market even more and accelerates that crash. Worse still, it slows down the commercial market, which accelerates that collapse. Everything they could possibly do wrong, they're doing wrong. And we're going to be left picking up the pieces. Folks, I don't know when it's going to, I don't know when it's going to start getting really bad. I think this summer's high energy prices are going to have a detrimental effect on the economy. Far more than high energy prices should it's going to, obviously, it's going to hurt more at the gas pump. It's going to hurt more at the grocery store, which, again, right. is going to cause a pullback in consumer spending, which, again, is going to push inflation higher and, again, is going to tank the economy even more. I'm curious to see what happens with the debt ceiling, whether we end up in a partial default. A partial default isn't isn't necessarily catastrophic to the economy as a whole, but it will be catastrophic to us as individuals. We've talked about this before. Republicans need to get their ducks in a row. And these negotiations should take place at the budget stage rather than right. the debt ceiling stage. Have your ducks in a row. Have your cuts in place. Don't negotiate for cuts at this stage of the game. It's, it's dangerous, quite frankly, because simply the threat of defaulting on our debt can tank our economy, not just our economy, the global economy. Right. It will certainly drive us closer to losing the dollar as the reserve currency. So listen, it's not just this administration doing things wrong. Republicans, I know they're doing what they think is right and they think they're protecting U.S. consumers. The problem is the order in which they do it is just messed up. 
maybe uh, maybe they should have to go through a class before um, before they get to to debate the debt ceiling. But we're this isn't over. This is right. not going to be the last bank failure we see. And just because the branches will still be open and will be continuing to do business doesn't mean this isn't a bank collapse. It absolutely is. It just so happens that this bank got bailed out. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the direction of this economy. I hate to say it. I'm concerned. I don't know that there are people always say, well, what can I do? I don't know that there are any safe havens at the moment. Listen, gold is always good, but you stand to lose a lot of money on gold. It is remarkably high right now because the risk factor, it's right. driven the price of gold up. That price inevitably is going to come down. The one thing for gold, though, is if you're if you're not looking at it as an investment, but rather a place to store wealth, that's a good time to buy gold. A place to store wealth, where you're not worried about it going up and down and fluctuating a little bit. Gotcha. Um, whereas a bank is the worst place you could ever choose to store wealth. The money markets are the worst place you could ever choose to store wealth. So I don't know what safe havens are right now. Real estate, you're going to lose, again, for long-term storage of wealth that you risk losing money. Real estate's there. But only for investors, not for, if, if you're in the housing market right now, do me a favor, get out of the housing market. Do yourself a favor and get out of the housing market. You are going to be buying. You're going to be buying next year's problem. Next year's debt is what you're going to be purchasing right, right. now. Right, you're going to be borrowing some very expensive money. Yeah, and yeah, it's going to be catastrophic when the correction comes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be, be pretty. Down. It's not going to be pretty. But when when this administration tell you that the economy is fixed. The, the, the bank collapses are over, which, remember, they told us back in March. Now it's uh, May, and here's another. They haven't, it's not the end of it. So make, make wise decisions. Try to protect your assets. Do whatever you can to um, protect your family. And um, just keep basically keep an eye on what's going on. We'll continue to talk about it here. If I think anything imminent is is coming, we'll obviously talk about it. And listen, right. our track. I'm not a fine. I want to make it clear. I'm not giving financial advice to anyone. But our track record of predicting these things so far has been a hundred percent. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, and I'm not talking about just you know, oh, we got lucky, predicted it to the month that it happened. Right. For most of these financial events, because all the flags are there, all the indicators are there. All you need to do is be able to read them and look at, look at past trends and you can tell what's going to happen. We're in kind of a gray area at the moment, 
for me at least, because the commercial market's included in this. And I don't know if that's going to exacerbate the situation or maybe potentially alleviate the, the residential side of it. I don't know. This is, I think, new territory at the moment, but we shall see. But yeah, protect your assets. Yes. Save Cover money. your assets. Save money and preferably not in a bank account because <sighs> folks, they're not, um, they're not overly secure. Why did I? Yeah. Why, why do I hear me? Yeah. I heard myself again. It's because I tapped on this, uh, display over here and oh. the video started playing. Don't be touching stuff. We got to get out of here. Yeah. We're out of time. All right. You and I will be back on Saturday. Uh, yes. Are we doing, we doing, what are we doing? We doing locals. We doing rumble. We're going to do locals. Okay, so you and I will be back for a supporters-only stream on Locals on Saturday. Yep. So y'all come find us there. And oh, then yeah. We'll be Hold back. on. Let me show them. Well, yes. if you're on Rumble, hit the red Join button. That will take you to our Locals page. You don't have to become a paid supporter. You can become a, a follower of the page, a member of the page, get access to all the free content. Then... Uh, you can decide whether you want to become a show supporter after the fact. But yeah, hit the red join button to take you over to the um, locals page. So come local with us. So y'all, we love you. Come we appreciate you. We'll us. see you out there. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye love now. you guys. See you.